This is Fake Plastic Podcast, a podcast that unlocks the alchemy of Radiohead, one song, music video, or live performance at a time. My name is Savannah Wright. This is is an unreleased song. Whether they know it or not, fans who attend Radiohead's performances are witnessing music history as it is being written. And I'm not just saying that because I'm obsessed enough with Radiohead to make a podcast about them. I say that because Radiohead often tests unreleased or in-progress songs through their live performances. Sometimes those tracks surface in the very next album, like The Bends, which we discussed in our last episode. But sometimes, they don't appear until several years later. Fans at the time of this 1998 performance, for example, did not know that this song would turn out to be nude, and that it wouldn't be released until multiple revisions and nearly a decade later. Um, it's a really great example of their, um, you know, you could you could say they're sort of their anchoring. Um, another way of saying it is just it's their craftsmanship. You know, they're their real attention to detail as as composers and and as arrangers. And right. you know, what's great for us, what's great for fans of the band, is that you can actually hear these different versions of the song and see what the lyrics are and and, and follow it on its path. This is Mac Randall. He's a journalist, critic, and the editor of Jazz Times. And he literally wrote the book on Radiohead. It's called Exit Music, The Radiohead Story. And it's one of the band's first unofficial biographies. Mac became interested in Radiohead after hearing a few songs from the Benz and realizing that the band had much more to offer than Creep. And so I bought the Benz and uh, you know, put it in the CD player. The first song comes on is Planet Telex. And as I say in the book, that really... That sold me at that point. I was just like, this, this, this band is great. Yeah. And uh, you know, and the whole album just held up like that. The Benz is that's that's really what what pulled me in. And uh, I, you know, still love that record. Twenty three, twenty four years later. In this episode, we'll explore the history of Nude, the third track on the band's beloved seventh record, In Rainbows. We'll compare its early life performances to the final studio version and discuss what this tendency to not release a song until the arrangement is just right says about Radiohead as a band. This is a long and slightly tangled history. Um, It was definitely one of the many songs that they worked on during uh, the OK Computer sessions. Mm -hmm. The earliest version that I am aware of is the version that's on the cassette that came with the OK Not OK vinyl box. This was the version the band recorded with Nigel Godrich during their first sessions for OK Computer. When Tom York shared potential songs for the new album on the band's website, he mentioned Nude and said this about its content. Quote, It is a man's world, and this one is very confused and will have sex with anything woman who comes within a mile radius but feels bad about it, so doesn't, close quote. Although the band was initially satisfied with the recording, Godrich says that for some reason, everyone went off on it. So it wasn't included in OK Computer. Here's a clip from that demo so you can hear what it sounded like.
what you notice if you if you hear uh, that version of the song, uh, you hear a lot of things that are the same. Um, the melody line is pretty much the same that yeah. Tom sings. Uh, much of the words are the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole part about, you know, you'll go to hell for what your dirty mind is thinking, that's already in there. And the don't get any, any big ideas, they're not going to happen, that's already in there. Mm-hmm. But uh, you notice that it's a little bit more, it's, there's a little more aggression to it. The guitar is more prominent, and the real kind of main instrument that's uh, featured besides Tom's voice is uh, Hammond organ, which I presume is played by Johnny. And uh, it plays this melody line, which is the same roughly melody line that Tom sings wordlessly at the end of the In Rainbows version. The title would also go through several iterations, including Big Ideas, parenthetical Don't Get Any Big Ideas, and Failure to Receive Repayment Will Put Your House at Risk, which Tom jokingly revealed in an interview for MTV's 120 Minutes in 1998. As Max said, the final title, Nude, stems from that original chorus, What Do You Look Like When You're Nude? But that, I think, was probably one of the first things to go. Because when you hear it again, there's the version they hear part of on um, Meaning People is Easy. You know, they, they didn't put it on OK Computer, but they ended up playing the song live a bunch in, in 1998. And also on and off after that as well. Um, yeah. What do you look like when you're nude? That turned into now that you've found it, it's gone. Now that you feel it, you don't. You've gone off the rails, but, you know, which is, I, I call it the chorus. When you hear it on In Rainbows, it only happens once, but it still seems like the chorus to me because he used to sing it twice. So just to be clear, the 1996 version on OK Not OK has a verse about a thin stewardess with her skirt in a mess, and the chorus says, what do you look like when you're nude? This was changed in 1997 to the, and now that you've found it, it's gone chorus, which remained the same through the In Rainbows version. But then in 1998, in that clip we played at the top of the episode, Tom adds a verse that says, She stands stark naked and she beckons you to bed. Don't go, you'll only want to come back again. So it's like, this, you know, again, the undercurrent is like, yeah, you could do this, but it's a bad idea. You don't want to do it. You're going to get stuck in, in this relationship, which, you know, may be unhealthy. All that stuff is completely gone from the final 
um, song on your rainbow. So you're kind of what the what your dirty mind is thinking could really be anything, um, which of course leaves it open to more interpretation. Which I suspect is probably what Tom and and company uh, wanted to make it not so specifically about anything. Yeah. Um, and leave it more kind of open. In addition to lyrical revisions, the band made a few key musical changes to reach the final arrangement. One of those changes is the song's conclusion. Instead of the final chorus, Tom sings a wordless falsetto. And that's another change. Tom's delivery. The most dramatic thing, of course, about Nude on In Rainbows is Tom's vocal, which may be... I don't know if I want to go so far as to say it's the greatest vocal ever on a Radiohead song, but it's <laughs> definitely a time contender. Yeah. And, and the thing about it is, is that I, I think I remember reading an interview with him one time where he commented about it. He, he found it uncomfortable to sing back when they played it in the 90s right. because of the falsetto parts and so on. Well, he's gone the completely whole hog in, in the, because he did some of those really crazy falsetto things that he does at the end of the In Rainbows version. They're not in the older versions. So what what the drama that used to be from the organ and the glockenspiel and the big guitar is now all in Tom's voice. He's just he's taking it all on, and he's and he's pulling it out. And uh, it's just I mean it's uh, on the one hand I, I think he talked about it as being you know the the, the feminine quality of it. He said was was sort of a little off-putting to him at first. Well, you could say that it's more feminine because it's high, but yeah. there's also a very kind of masculine kind of bravado in it. Say, oh yeah, you don't think I can do this? Watch out! I'm going sure. to even higher. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just really an amazing display. Mac here is referencing a Mojo interview with Tom in 2008, where he said, "Quote: Ten years ago, when we first had the song." I didn't enjoy singing it because it was too feminine, too high. It made me feel uncomfortable. Now I enjoy it exactly for that reason, because it is a bit uncomfortable, a bit out of my range, and it's really difficult to do. And it brings something out in me. Close quote. In the earlier versions, Tom seems to belt the lyrics. But in the studio version, his vocals are more restrained. Here's a quick comparison so you can hear the difference. There's the secret sauce, Colin Greenwood's sexy bassline. He altered the bassline during the In Rainbow sessions in 2005, and Godrich said it transformed Nude from something very straight into something that had much more of a rhythmic flow. True to form, the band premiered this new arrangement at a live performance in Copenhagen. I heard them, I guess it was 2006, they did a tour before they recorded in Rainbows. Mm-hmm. They, were, they did sort of a, they were road testing a lot of the new songs. Yeah. And one of those new songs was not a new song at all. It was nude. Yeah. And uh, in the arrangement that we now know from in Rainbows. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was a real showstopper, obviously. 
so it was great, you know, to hear that hear that come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot of fans said they were surprised by how it turned out because it, it did go from being like Tom belting the lyrics with the uh-huh. Hammond organ and the glockenspiel, and then it was a lot more reserved with the strings. Uh, do you prefer the studio version or? Uh, you know, there there are aspects to you know all the different versions that you know have something to recommend them, but I, I do have to say in the end, although I kind of wish that. Tom would sing, maybe it's just like the, the traditionalist in me, you know, you got a great chorus, why not repeat it, you know, <laughs> um, but why not sing, now that you found it, it's gone, you know, again, um, yeah. instead, what they do is they just, they do the same chord sequence, but instead he just sings that wordless melody, so I kind of miss that, but there's also the old show business adage, you know, always leave them wanting more. Sure. And that ver- the In Rainbows version of Nude definitely does that. Yeah. Um, so it it's uh, so what you do is you just play it again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's very yeah. true. So I, but but I, I I do think um, you know their pruning and their you know their little revisions and and all that um, really did end up uh, successful. I do like that version on In Rainbows the best. It's interesting to reflect on what was added and taken away over the course of the song's development and why those changes matter. Like the lyrics. The song's final title, Nude, alludes to the sexual encounter described in the demo version. But the band eliminated that narrative in the studio version. You mentioned a little bit about how taking away those uh, lyrics about like the sexual encounter makes the song a little more open to interpretation. And I was just curious how you interpret the song now. Well, of course, it's hard to um, completely separate, for me, anyway, the song as you hear it now from the song as it originally was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess I still, when I listen to it, I'm thinking of when he says, you'll go to hell for what your dirty mind is thinking, I automatically go to, well, he's thinking about the stewardess, or he's thinking about, you know, the, the, the naked person, <laughs> and yeah. that this is actually not a good idea. I shouldn't do this. But the fact is that... Um, that's not there anymore. So yeah. I'm just, you know, reading that into it. I even think I, I, it's funny, I think I, when I, in my book, I think I use the word infidelity. And of course, listening back to it now, as I just was today, I was like, well, there's no indication in this song that, you know, this person is married or has a partner or is, uh, you know, I start thinking of, well, you know, it's a rock musician who, uh, you know, has a long-term partner, but he's on the road and he's tempted by by other other women, you know, along the way. That's totally my reading of it. There's nothing <laughs> in the song that really indicates that at all. Yeah. You know, I just think I, I, it's my interpretation based on earlier versions of the song and what I know about Tom's life at the time, you know? Yeah. But there's no reason to believe that's actually what it is. And I think the reason why all that stuff got taken away, the second verse got taken away and and the other words got changed, is, is just because of that, to not have it be so easily interpreted. Um, that, yeah. I mean, Many radio song, radiohead songs are um, very difficult to interpret. Yeah, um, that's right. This one seemed more easier to interpret at first, and now you know they made it harder. But um, <laughs> I guess you could say it's you know it's probably being addressed to someone who is feeling some kind of itch, whether it's a seven-year itch or not. I have no idea. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, the idea of, you know, you can change things around in your life. You say, you know, what is it, paint your, paint your house white? Or was it, it wasn't, yeah. but it was paint your house white. I don't know if it's paint yourself white. Anyway. I, I, yeah, it used to be paint your house white, and then it changed to you paint yourself white. Right, yeah. So, again, so you put on some kind of makeup or some kind of thing to, you know, uh, make you look different or make you feel different. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you fill up with noise, you know. You got all kinds of ideas and, and music and and whatever. You, mm-hmm. you're, you're just you know keeping yourself busy, doing yeah. all these different things. But there's something missing, and there's, that's something missing is you know that same thing. Now that you feel it, you don't. You know, you think you got it, but you don't have it. Mm-hmm. And it's always just this, you know, the sort of the ache, the what you're trying to change your life into or change yourself into. Hmm. And the the sort of the undercurrent is that don't get any big ideas; they're not going to happen. You know, you know, you're not really going to change. Hmm. Um, which is kind of a downer of a statement. Um, but you know, <laughs> the, this is Radiohead, and they do a lot of that. <laughs> sure. And you could look at it as being, if you if you think of it that way, is perhaps one of the more uh, depressing uh, sentiments that they actually have put in the song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just with the sense of, you know, you, you, you're going to try and do all these things to change your life, you know, you're good, and, and, it's, and they're not going to happen. Not only that, but you're going to go to hell. We're <laughs> 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 just yeah. thinking about it. Um, for me, it almost feels like this kind of matter of fact answer or like sequel to No Surprises, where he's just like, this is how life goes kind of thing. But yeah, it is pretty right. bleak. Yeah, and and that was you know definitely a major theme at that time. Yeah, that's true. Considering this um, is written around OK Computer, right? Yeah, the thing the thing about it is is that um, you know they they take that sentiment and they make something in the in that trademark Radiohead way. They mm-hmm. they they make it uplifting. You know. It, yeah. They did it in a you know in a more sort of traditional rock way at first and then they did it in a more i can say radiohead way once they came to in rainbows and the uplift the majesty of the whole thing is just as i said it's in tom's voice at the end yeah totally so in the end it doesn't feel like a depressing statement at all um and that's the that's the kind of the uh the wonder of uh of this band. No, that's a good point. Yeah, because a lot of times you almost don't realize it's about something sad because it just sounds so beautiful. <laughs> right, uh, right. So do you think Nude would have fit in earlier albums like OK Computer, or do you feel like it's uniquely suited to In Rainbows? Hmm. Well, as the, you know, if you listen to the old version, either with, you know, with the, the glockenspiel or without the glockenspiel, mm-hmm. um, it could definitely have worked on... Uh, on OK Computer. Yeah. Um, I do think it would have stuck out, though. I, I, I don't think they'd worked it through quite enough. Yeah. Um, there, seemed some, there seemed some parts in those earlier versions of the songs where it seemed they're not quite sure which way to go with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that was part of the reason why they put it aside for so long. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I'm, I, I, I certainly couldn't hear it on Kid A. Way too melodic and too straightforward. Yeah. Um, it, it, it might have 
good on Amnesiac, because that's a little bit more of a Bits and Bobs record. Hill to the Thief, possibly. But, uh, so I wouldn't say it's uniquely suited in Rainbows. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it certainly works there very well. Um, yeah, I feel like it does work well because it, that album was full of unreleased songs that Radiohead had been playing over the years, so it felt like right. it was kind of part of that journey. But also, I can't imagine the song without the strings, and, and Rainbows has more strings uh, than I think any of the other albums. So right, maybe that's true. Cool. Yeah, I, I should have mentioned that earlier. There's the strings, they're subtle, but they're there, and uh, they also obviously add a lot to that that feeling of uh, of uplift. And, yeah. and and majesty that the song has. And that yeah, that was a yes, thank you for mentioning that. That's cuz that <laughs> is a great uh addition to the song. That enchanting combination of strings, bass, and falsetto captured the hearts of the popular audience. As Nude became Radiohead's second top 40 hit after Creep. Part of its success may be explained by the band's iTunes remix challenge. For that challenge, they released the song's individual stems for listeners to purchase and remix into their own creations. But Max said another reason the song may have attracted a wider audience is because of its lyrics. Although less on the nose than Creep, the lyrics of Nude speak to a universal feeling of longing and desire. To think of those two songs next to each other, Creep and, and, and Nude, is kind of like, well, you know, I guess they have similarly miserable sentiments <laughs> in them. Um, sure. But that people relate to. And I really do wonder if, if they had kept those old lyrics and if they'd kept the old structure of the song. Yeah. You know, you know, you know changed the arrangement, but, but, but kept those parts of it, uh, would it have been as successful? Would it have been more successful? The mm-hmm. thing about Creep, of course, is that it really, I mean, one of the reasons why it was a big hit was because so many people could identify with it, you know? Yeah, I don't belong true. here. I'm a creep, you know? Who, whether in their teenage years or in, in any other time, hasn't felt that, you know, yeah. at some time. And I think in a weird way, Nude has that because... The thing about, you know, don't get any big ideas and you'll go to hell for what your dirty mind is thinking. Who hasn't thought those kind of things, you know, mm-hmm. at, at some time or other? Whatever they may be about or whatever they may mean, it, it has some application to people's lives. That's my best attempt at an explanation for that one. Nude is one of many songs that Radio had tinkered with. As I mentioned earlier, the band debuted the majority of In Rainbows in 2005 through their live performances. Reckoner, however, premiered live as early as 2001. And songs on In Rainbows Disc 2, like Last Flowers, trace back to the OK Computer sessions. Yeah, there's a bunch. I mean, Moonshade Pool has, a, has at least a couple. Burn the Witch was something they were doing back in Kid A uh, times. Oh, and of course, the last track, absolutely <laughs> heartbreaking track. Yeah. Uh, True Love Waits. You know, that's that, that, that's kind of the holy grail for Radiohead fans because they started playing that around the time the Benz came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are a bunch of versions of it. Uh, there was one I think they played in Belgium with. Um, with Tom playing acoustic guitar and singing and Johnny doing this 
synthesizer arpeggio, this sort of like perpetual motion thing going through the whole song, almost the whole song. Mm-hmm. And I think they tried recording it for uh, multiple albums. And in fact, that cassette I mentioned from the OK Not OK, there's a couple tracks that says, you know, True Love Piano Loop, True mm. Love Space Loop. So there were all these kind of different ways that they were trying to. And interestingly, the True Love Piano Loop is not that different in the end from, from what they ended up doing with the song on Moonshade Pool. Yeah. Um, so it's an indication, if, if they're being straight with us, that they were already thinking of doing something like that with that song 20 years previously. But in any case, um, there, you know, there's a song that always kind of come out. It would be like one of those sort of, uh, you know, encore special treats that they would do. Yeah. And finally, on the I Might Be Wrong album, the live album, there's just a version of Tom doing it himself without, mm-hmm. without the synthesizer or anything. And when that came out, I thought, and probably just about everybody thought, well, that's what it's going to be. That is the final version of the song, you know, as, mm-hmm. as we know it, because they're not going to put it on another record. So when I saw the True Love Waits was on the track listing of, of Moonshape, I was like, really? Is it the same True Love Waits? And sure enough, it was, but they really changed it around. Here's what the version on a moon-shaped pool sounds like. So how does the the timing of like releasing it not until like their most recent album, how does that kind of change your interpretation of it or like give it extra significance? Well, I mean, I think True Love Waits wins the prize for the longest gestating song and in the, yeah. the Radiohead catalog. And it's interesting that, you know, the, I mean, the, the melody, the words, uh, again, different from Nude in this respect. The arrangement may have changed, but the chord structure is basically the same. The melody is the same. The words are the same. Yeah. Nothing else really changed in 21 years. Mm-hmm. So it was really all about how they are going to approach it. They already knew it was good, but how are you going to approach it in a way that is distinctive, um, not cliched, and serves the song, um, but serves it in an interesting and unusual way. Yeah. Um, and and that's a song that, again, it's, it's hard when we're, I was talking about nude and you think about the particulars of Tom's life at the time and, and how mm-hmm. I sort of put a certain interpretation on it in spite of the fact that that's not really stated um, in the yeah. song. The whole history of, of, of Radiohead, it, it comes into play in listening to True Love Waits now, all these years later, mm-hmm. in large part because uh, I had always assumed, and again, this is totally an assumption, not uh, reality necessarily, but mm-hmm. I had always thought that it was probably a song that was directed in some way to Tom's partner, Rachel, of so many years. Um, mm-hmm. At the time, they had only been together for a few years. Mm-hmm. And, of course, by the time the Moonshade Pool version came out, they had been, been separated, and what we did not know at the time was that she had terminal cancer. Mm-hmm. So that sort of 
colors. I mean, it colors the interpretation of that whole album. Yeah. But the fact that that song, that old song, was picked to end the record. Yeah. And that the last words of the song are, don't leave. Yeah. It, 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 it kind of makes you think. It's um, too easy a thing sometimes to um, look, on, look on songs as necessarily being about personal subjects. Yeah. But it's, it's hard not to feel that in some way, you know, that album and that song and the placement of that song where it is at the end of the album and with the whole knowledge of the whole history of the song, there are personal reasons for that. Um, yeah. And so that's certainly what I think. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Because I feel like with a lot of a moonshape pool, it does feel like a culmination of sorts of all of their work up until that point. And right. and so to hear something that was there from the very beginning and then in a whole different context, it really, I don't know, it feels like the song has aged in like kind of a sad way, you know? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have right. that like op- optimism from the beginning. It feels kind of like right. defeated. Yeah. Oh, it kills me. It's so good though. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> And I and I I had my my first thought when I first played that record and I heard that version of that song at the end. Well, it, 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 it made me very emotional. But I I I also thought that's it. This is the end. Oh really? Like, this is this is the end of the band. Interesting. And I I don't believe that actually is the case. I hope it's not the case. But that was that was my feeling when I heard the yeah. song. I was just like. This is the final statement that we've been waiting for, though we didn't really know it. Um, yeah. So, but it, it, that first hearing of it had that had that real impact on me. Yeah. No, I could see why you would feel that, and I think it does have a yeah. sense of finality to it. But I hope they yeah. still release new stuff. <laughs> yes, uh, I do too. And uh, you know, all indications seem to be that uh, you know there, there there will be more. Uh, yeah. We hope so. Yeah. So my last question, you already touched on this a little bit, but just to kind of wrap up everything, um, what does this tendency to not release a song until the version is just right say about Radiohead as a band? Mm. Well, they have obviously have certain anal retentive qualities, um, (laughs) which is, uh, you know, not necessarily bad. I I think uh, that search for the best version or the perfect version of, um, is, uh, you know, it's kind of a generally doomed to end in failure because you might think you have the perfect version one day and then the next day you listen to it and then you hear all the problems with it. On the plus side, though, it also indicates that, you know, they don't give up. Mm-hmm. I mean, they might, but giving up is not permanent. You know, with all those songs, they knew that they had something that was good. Yeah. It, you know, it, it moved them, and in many cases, they played these songs live a bunch, and they they clearly moved other people. Mm-hmm. So something was there in it, but how do how do we do it in a way that feels right for for all of us? Because they all have to agree in the end. Right. You know, they, 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 they have the sort of the perfectionist streak of wanting it to be right, whatever right means. But, you know, they also, as I said, they, they persist. Um, perhaps, you know, after 
lengthy breaks, but they they persist. They come back to it if if they think it's good. They're going to give it a give it a try again. I mean, another example of that is on OK Not OK. They they put out those other the three songs that all of which I thought I was going to hear on the bends. Um, I'm not not on the bends on OK Computer yeah. when it first came out. I promise, Man of War and Lift. Mm-hmm. I had a feeling those might all be on there, and none of them were. So I think that's just another you know another example of that. Again, you know, the being perfectionist on the one one hand, but also not giving up. I I, I think that uh, it, I'm obviously those two kind of go go hand in hand. Um, yeah. Because if they if they just if they just gave up and they were perfectionists, then they uh, wouldn't have made all the music that they have made. True. Or released it. There'd be a lot fewer Radiohead records than there are. Yeah. Um, so I guess you know I I guess we should feel lucky for for both those. Uh, What's special about Radiohead's composing is that by debuting these unfinished songs live, they include fans in that process. I can imagine it takes enormous trust to release your rough drafts into the ether, knowing that concertgoers will surely record and share those demos with other fans, and that, for better or worse, those early drafts will remain forever on the internet. But I think that reveals something about the relationship between Radiohead and their fans. They know they can test these songs live because they have an audience that isn't there just to hear the hits, but to participate in that songwriting journey. For that reason, they don't need to worry about sharing early ideas. They can bear it all. You've been listening to Fake Plastic Podcast. Fake Plastic Podcast is an alternate Thursdays production with new episodes every other Wednesday. Share your favorite Radiohead performance with us on Instagram or Twitter at FakePlasticPod. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you really liked this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends, Radiohead fans or otherwise. I'm Savannah Wright. Thanks for listening.